Walking Between Worlds is produced by Culturebound. Our purpose is to equip people to be effective in a language and culture different than their own. We don't necessarily agree with all the opinions expressed by guests on the podcast, but we highly value the conversation that takes place when we listen carefully to what one another is saying. To learn more about Culturebound, visit our website at www.culturebound.org. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Walking Between Worlds. I am one of your co-hosts, Kylie Trout, and I am here today again with Terry Steele. Hey, what's up? And Jacob Huey. Hello there. You might be noticing that we are missing our other co-host, John Mozzarella. He's not been with us the last few weeks. We're hoping that in the next couple weeks he can be back on um, discussing these topics with us. He should be back in the next series, um, hopefully. So today we are going to be talking about vacation again. We're going to be continuing that conversation. Um, as you'll remember last time, we, uh, we talked about some of our personal experiences with vacation. Uh, we talked about Sabbath for a while, which was pretty cool. Um, and we really kind of dove into the question of is whether the way that we do vacation and go about that is actually restful for us or does it just create more stress or require more effort on our part to to take. Um, we are talking about vacation uh, for several different reasons. First of all, it's that it's that time of year. It's something that's on all of our minds um, as we prepare to use our days off or um, go out of town, spend time with family, whatever that looks like for us. Um, and vacation is part of our annual pattern as Americans. This is something uh, we tend to do, you know, this is when kids have school off, and so we want to take advantage of that time. Um, but it is culturally relative. It, other cultures go about vacation very differently than us, um, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, there are many different ways that cultures go about vacation that looks different than the way that we do it. Um, vacation also kind of reveals to us, our practice of vacation individually kind of reveals to us what is important to us. Um, the things that we do in our times of leisure says a lot about what we think and what we value, which is something we talked about last time too. Um, so when we have when we have full control over how we spend our time, it means that much more when we choose what we do. Um, that really speaks to um, what we believe or what we hold most important in our lives. Um, and like most of our other series, this is meant to be a bit of a self-reflection. Um, so we're, we're going through and identifying is vacation really meeting the need that we set out for it to fill? Um, and if not, what might we need to change about that on an individual level, um, to make it work better for us? Maybe that looks different than what the culture does. And we want to be able to explore that with you. So today we're talking about cross-cultural examples, and I trust that you guys have been doing a little bit of research to get familiar with this topic. Um, one thing that I found, I want to start off, is that long haul travel or international travel as a vacation is m pretty much desirable almost universally. Um, people really like to go into new places and experience something different than what is normal for them. So I remember you were talking last time about how just a break from the norm, doing something new or different yep. feels restful or feels like vacation. It can be. Yeah. Yeah. Along with that, um, both with South Africans and with Europeans, they tend to like to stay in their own nation and travel nearby. Yes. Um, uh, and then with Europeans, the next second largest, and we're talking like a quarter of all of Europeans, 
say, we'll go to other European nations, but they don't want to fly necessarily. They'd like to drive. And, mm-hmm. and something, again, when we were in Europe, I was surprised that we went from Italy to Switzerland, and uh, we traveled through three different nations in a matter of an afternoon. Right. And... Like, that seems crazy to us because, like, that's nation to nation. That's literally international yep. travel. Yep. Where for us, like, I'd have to drive, you know, seven or eight hours to get to Canada. <laughs> you know, yep. that would take, that would be a huge day trip just to get across the border. Um, or even going to a neighboring state. Like, we're on the west, west, west coast. Even driving to Idaho, like, that, the next neighboring state to the east is a really long drive. That yep. sounds totally, like... Not how we would do things. Nope. But yet they're able to do that since they're they're so compressed into such a small place. You're crossing into a totally different culture. Yep. With ease. Um. But yeah, the first thing that that popped up when I googled how you know how do Europeans vacation or what are their vacation habits? Right. The first thing that comes up is travel, not necessarily visiting somewhere that you're already familiar with. Interesting. I also found that. The biggest preventer of travel and vacation cross-culturally, so pretty much on a universal level, is money. Okay, yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Travel is expensive. It's, I think, for some of us, one of the most expensive purchases we make is buying a plane ticket or just like an upfront cost, you know, buying a plane ticket, booking a resort, a hotel, whatever, planning for like a week-long vacation. That's a really big expense to just like drop upfront. Yep, agreed. Another uh, pattern that I did find is that Asian countries, with, and I should say Japanese and Chinese, um, ha, well, China has the least amount of vacation days per average, wow. 21 hours. What? 21 20, hours? 21 days. Days, okay. I was like, 21 uh, days. That's not even a day. Um, no, no. Uh, but they, um, it, it is highly regulated. Mm-hmm. highly regulated it's interesting because now i'm looking at the opposite side of the spectrum the 11 countries that use the most vacation days germany's at the very top of the list yeah and a few countries down is norway which offers 25 days yeah. which is not very many more days than china no no but um with japan and china hard work is highly highly expected um that um if you take if if you are considered someone who doesn't work enough you're considered lazy there was a group in china that was doing a tech job that um it was taking three months and they were not taking days off Mm. and which will burn you out and um one of the workers said uh hey we're coming to the end of this do you think that went sent to the boss do you think we can get some vacation time so uh the boss came to this entire group and said if you guys feel like you you need vacation time after this go ahead and give me a text and uh the author said um she found uh, a week later all the people who texted their boss were fired oh my word right so um, that's that says a lot about the attitude exactly you will work with Japan, um, teachers especially don't take breaks. In fact, they're expected to be there before 8 o'clock in the morning, and they're supposed to not leave until 8 o'clock at night. Sometimes they even sleep at the school. And when they take, they, they are expected also to do extra work on the weekend, mm-hmm. sometimes both weekend days. 
which means they don't have a chance to go to the doctor or the post office or the uh, um, uh, any of those things. So that's what they use their vacation time for. And for like, taking care of like regular life stuff. Right. So like uh, the, the author was saying he was looking at a board. He was an American who was working in Japan, and he said, so I see this on the board, vacation. And it literally was teacher one, one hour. Teacher two, two hours. Teacher three, three hours, 45 minutes of vacation. Oh, my word. So there, and again, Asia, hard work is considered an honorable thing. And it's now gone so high that with some Japanese businessmen, many of them, they actually have little cubicles that are uh, in their offices that are where their bed is, their little second bedroom. They don't get home until the weekend. And a number of years ago, they started seeing a trend with Japanese uh, businessmen is they were all dying of heart attack at, you know, 40 years old. Yeah, yeah I bet. <laughs> it, it's, it's where for them vacation is not valued in the same way it is for Americans, but with Europeans, with Africans, with Latin Americans, there is something that's a little closer to an American style. But I also would say there are parts of America where oh, vacations have become very Japanese in nature. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I think of a lot of the... Um, jobs in like the big tech industry mm. where, you know, uh, employees are invited to bring their laundry in to do it at work or drop oh, their kids off at daycare. And it's word. all provided by the company, like at Google or um, I'm trying to think of another one. Google's the one that comes to mind first, but that's, that's like become the top standard for <laughs> those huge companies. You know what I mean? Man alive. And so that's been, and I, or I think about like how the Nike campus is. It's literally set up so that employees can spend as much time there as they need to or want yes. to. And so they have all of these amenities provided for them while they're at work. Yep. It's like the churches who also have showers within the buildings for their pastors. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing? Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that. Man, that's crazy. But it's not like the <laughs> fact that it like that's kind of a normal, a normalized thing in our culture, or could quickly become a normal thing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we can't talk about vacation without talking about work patterns. Nope. So that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Is there like I know I brought it up last episode of how the Pacific Northwest our go to is vacation is camping. Mm -hmm. I wonder if different cultures have different ideas of what's the primary form of mm -hmm. vacation. Like in Europe, as you brought up, it's travel. You mm -hmm. fly somewhere or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would also say that has a lot to do with economic status. Yeah. Because camping is relatively inexpensive mm -hmm. compared to larger scale travel or booking a resort or yeah something that's all inclusive you know yeah so it's more it's more work intensive although it can be super restful camping yeah yep. but it's super inexpensive for yeah. most of us to do yeah so i'm curious of like a place like china where they don't get much vacation time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what do since they have so little what do they do that makes it like vacation for them yeah i'm so curious about that too because like how yeah. do you sustain that? Because obviously this yeah. has been happening for a very long time. Yeah. How is that sustained? You know? Like, obviously people are still sleeping, but they're not with family. They're not that social aspect, that, like, interdependence. Yep. Even though it's a more collectivist culture, 
Yep. The the aspect of family seems to be kind of taken away. And and to me, in some in some regards. Yeah, it's um again, work is so valued to them, but it at what expense? Exactly. You know, that that's got to be like really amazing. There are a lot of European countries that offer a full month of vacation. So Germany offers 30 days for most jobs. That's pretty standard, it seems like. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, and the thing that bothers me is when you have um, uh, Americans criticizing Europeans for being soft because they take the entire month off mm-hmm. of July or August, and it's like, well, I don't think that we have the right to criticize. Right. They're actually set up to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, the the argument is that um, everyone who's not American is soft, and I'm like, oh yeah, no oh, yeah. <laughs> that no that doesn't fly, right? No. Yeah, that's some insecurity speaking. <laughs> well, somebody might hunt me down for that, but <laughs> it's the it's the need to be number one in everything, um, which you find with older Americans. That's very important. We're number one as opposed to younger Americans who don't feel the need to chant out war number one, right. which the older Americans then say, what, you traitors? Yeah. And um, which is distinct from what has been referred to as the I hate America crowd. And this is distinct from that argument. This is just culture differences. Yeah. There's not the same national pride that's like really ingrained in, in my generation specifically. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen that. As a result, it's another reason why there's often miscommunication yeah. uh, between uh, um, the younger and older Americans. Mm. Okay, this is interesting. In Sweden, uh, which offers around 28 days, workers take around 25 days of vacation. A lot of those days are used in June for midsummer. Fascinating. So, which is, you know, their cultural celebration of the height of summer. Um, the light being having returned from being Got gone it. all winter and Got it. basically like, yeah, it's, it's the, it's this, ho- this holiday celebrating the longest day of the year is second only to Christmas and in popularity includes cooking out, wearing flower crowns and drinking a lot. I don't know if this is accurate. This is just from the travel channel website. So this could be totally off base. Um, but they all take it off or I'm assuming most of the country takes it off for this specific event. Huh. Yeah. Which I'm not even sure what I would compare that to here. Yeah. Of course, depends on the part of society you're in. Um, I would say, like, uh, Florida. Um, you know what? They have a very good celebratory system there. They would say, oh, they party all the time. And the problem with that is... What? You know, when you look at what, and Jacob, you can help me out with this, when you look at the number of celebrations that are, are in the Bible, celebrate this, celebrate that, celebrate. I, I, at one point, I, I did the math, and it's one major celebration every three weeks. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just one celebration after another. Like, I mean, read, read Deuteronomy one time and just count. You don't even have to do the math that Terry did to figure out and compare it with the calendar. Just count how many festival regulations yeah. there are. Mm-hmm. And even some of the sacrifices aren't even for just repentance of sin. There's the fellowship offering, which is just you bring um, 
yes your best ox or your best whatever livestock you can provide and you give the good parts to the lord lord and you eat the rest with the priest and so you're essentially just sitting down to have a meal with god and that's what that sacrifice is it's not for any sort of repentance it's just mm-hmm. a fellowship offering mm-hmm. and so yeah it's it's a it's a culture it's a celebration culture but it's 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 an element that in especially in the western world and in the church today uh we've kind of lost sight of um i would say at least mm-hmm. i mean there's certain practices that we do um that have become a lot more somber that when i read them in scripture seem a lot a lot less somber rather yeah a getting together to enjoy food and taking a window of time to remember why you get to do that mm-hmm. or communion and and things yeah, as such yes yep. we've talked about that before <laughs> um i mean the closest thing i can think of that we celebrate regularly is like is weddings like those are the biggest celebrations i've even gone to yes i would say celebrations and then baptisms are close but i mean it's celebratory but it's also still got that really serious undertone yes yeah and i think we need to do more to celebrate that that's my personal opinion and i know that varies from church to church but that needs to be it i I feel like it's a celebration i'm a little biased because my niece just got baptized by her dad and my brother who Mm -hmm. has not been in public in a year because he's He's surviving a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a big celebration because it was my niece. Yes. And it was the first time we'd done a baptism in months. Mm-hmm. And it was m- the return of my brother. And so that, you know, we were like, yay. Right. A big celebration. Yeah, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But like if we had had, and I know we'll do baptisms at our church's annual family camp. And that'll be more of a celebration kind of time. But. I wish I I sort of wish we would be more intentional about taking the time to celebrate together. You know what I mean? Yeah, agree. Yeah. Um the only other really thing I can think of that we well, I guess that's going to be for next episode cuz that's comparing <laughs> I know, we keep American like coming back to <laughs> because the one I think about is 4th of July, but that's for next episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in terms of like Jewish customs like they have. I think of also like the festival of booze or the festival of tents. Yes, where it's literally camp in your backyard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you have the Passover meal, which is just sounds so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not to go, um, Judaizer, but I mean the food that they make sounds amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the time you get to spend together celebrating the way the Lord provides sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Man, if only yeah, I guess we can talk more about that next episode. But yeah, yeah. celebration culture. Man. Mm. Is that part of Sabbath? Is that is that correlated at all with the concept of rest? Well, I mean you would I mean, oh my I I hope I'm not gonna get this wrong. It's okay um, if you get it wrong. Because there's there's quite a bit of Sabbath preparation. I think it's like there is like just a meal like the meal you're preparing beforehand is not just a meal of like like I'm not throwing together two PB and J sandwiches for tomorrow's dinner, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing a feast. Um I know for a mega church pastor, him and his family regularly observe Sabbath. He's written mm-hmm. books on it. The meal they prepare beforehand isn't just uh the day before, isn't just like a 
microwave it up. Like they prepare a feast to have mm-hmm. that night uh, of Sabbath um, because it's a celebration. Um, mm-hmm. A yeah. lot of the viewpoint when it comes to Sabbath is when God rested, it wasn't that God took a nap. It's because he was tired. <laughs> no, it wasn't because he was tired. Uh-uh. It was a sitting back and taking in all the work that he'd done, enjoying it. And when you do that, that is a form of celebration. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, Sabbath is that then that process of inviting us into that same rhythm yeah. And that on the sixth day, we take time to reflect. Yep. To The image I have in my head is a farmer sitting out on his porch, sun setting, feet, he's in his rocking chair, feet propped up on the uh, railing, um, mm-hmm. drinking some lemonade, and looking out on his fields, knowing that he put in a good day's work. Yeah. Yeah, I follow actually a lot of flower farmers on Instagram and the like, and I, they always post these gorgeous pictures of their flower fields as the sun is setting, and they're just like, and it's mostly women Beautiful. who do this job, and they're just like, this is my very favorite thing. This is my favorite thing about farming is just looking at how beautiful the sunset makes the flowers look, mm-hmm. and it's that same feeling of like, man, this is the fruit of my hands, and like, like... God made this happen. A lot of them don't don't attribute it to that, but in my mind I'm like, man, like you and God <laughs> made this beautiful field of flowers together and you get to look at it while the sun is setting over it and it's all golden and amazing. Yeah. And like that's the when I think Sabbath, like that's almost how I feel inside is like here's the work of my hands. Look how beautiful it is. Mhm. Pretty stinking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. I'll have to find a photo to show you guys because it's just like ooh. But- yeah, and it's that idea of we get to do that as humans, but then God invites us to do that with him of like the way I've thought about Sabbath in terms of celebration culture is just the idea that like it's it's not just looking back and saying, Look how much I did. It's mm-hmm. look it's looking back and saying, Look where God had partner I got yes. I got to partner along with God for these last six days. Yes. And, yeah. and look see what, what he did. Yeah. And so hearing other cultures have more of that celebration culture it does make me look at american culture and think where do we have that yeah it's it used to be a far more common neighborhood cookouts uh garage sales i mean we do those things but they've become far less commonplace mm-hmm. um and i was born in a completely different decade than either of you and we have moved to a place where i remember my mom and the neighbor lady lived we lived across the street from her and literally i remember one of them or both of them walking across the street in the morning in their bathrobe curlers and slippers to go to say good morning and just have a little something to eat after the husbands had gone to work and we've lost that where we don't even know our neighbors' names, mm-hmm. you know, that when there was a celebration, your entire block had a celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was, but now we've gotten so isolated that to get people together, it's like, wow. Um, a little less than a year ago, we had a series of really crazy fire, uh, forest fires, uh, wildfires ripped through our area yeah. and we were able to survive. But it was bizarre that it took COVID and, a f- and major fires 
was the first time that I talked to my neighbor, Kitty Corner Diagonal, across the road, and we we just said how crazy this was, and we introduced ourselves for the first time, and and mm-hmm. said, you know, when this is over, maybe we should do a, a, a get-together in the neighborhood so we get to know each other. Mm-hmm. We have nice people in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's just that we never talk. The most I get is I'll drive by and wave, you know, friendly, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah. That would be so fun. That's making me think I want to do that with my neighborhood now. <laughs> like, we actually have a little side street that we live on. So, like, here's the main road, and then our street kind of loops off the main road and comes back around to it. Yep. So there's probably, like, a dozen houses on that little loop. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my gosh, that'd be so fun to just, like, shut the street down and, like, come do a cookout with everybody. Oh, my gosh. That'd be so much fun. All he did. Yep. I need to make it happen. He inspires me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we touched a little bit today on the concept of American vacation patterns and how that contrasts with with some other countries and or, or cultures per se, and um, how they go about vacation. Um, and I mean, that's a very natural thing to do, right? Like we hear what other cultures tend to do, and we're like, oh my goodness, that's so different. Like that, how how do they do that? I mean, we're talking about the the Asian cultures and how in China they're their work hours are just insane and so um i don't i don't necessarily think that speaks for all of china but that gives no. a, that gives a glimpse into what that culture values um and so next time we're going to be diving a little bit deeper into our tendencies as americans as we approach vacation um you'll want to tune in for that episode next week so we hope to see you there thank you for listening in this week um we hope to see you again next week um as you know walking between worlds is produced by culture bound um where we provide culture and language training for interaction and connection particularly with with those who are going to be working in a in a culture or a language that is unfamiliar to them So if you'd like to find out more about CultureBound and what we do, you can go to our website at culturebound.org. And you will also find the courses we have on that site, information on those courses, um, our schedule of events, and the opportunity to become a donor for CultureBound. And we are able to provide this podcast for free, and we are able to provide our courses at a lower rate because of our donor base. So if you would like to be part of that support base, um, please consider in prayer um, what that might look like for you. Um, And you can find all kinds of information about that on our website. If you'd like to stay up to date with what Culture Bound is doing, you can follow us on most social media platforms where we are active pretty much daily. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handles are culturebound.org. This podcast is designed to be a conversation, and we would love for you to join in on that. So if you have questions, comments, or observations, we would love to invite you um, to share those with us. You can send us an email at podcast at culturebound.org to join in on this discussion. So thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>